all of that is pretty interesting to, to think. And uh, as we see, sometimes we can take our bodies for granted. Uh, you know, there's a lot of time we spend in front of the mirrors too. But we can take the physiological part of our bodies for granted. And uh, we're, the, uh, just the amazing miracle of the body is a pretty interesting thing. Uh, the, the little finger on your hand, if you think of yourself sometimes, I'm just an insignificant part of the body of Christ, an insignificant member. The little finger, they tell us, is responsible for 50% of the strength of the hand. You wouldn't know that if, if a scientist didn't tell us, but that's what they say to us. As we study the body, it says this, that taking one step, just taking one step with our body requires up to 200 muscles. You see, when we function as we're supposed to within the church, there's a whole lot of muscles, there's a whole lot of things that have to work together. And the body is just this amazing description of who we are. Uh, there's a fun little picture we'll put on the screen. <laughs> the average human produces 25,000 quarts of saliva, the body. Now, when a person is 85, they're still probably doing that. They're just not quite as cute. Uh, but over a lifetime, 25,000 quarts, and you know, it tells us it's enough to, to fill two swimming pools. I would not want to be swimming in those swimming pools. This is the, the amazing uh, miracle of our bodies in the human, and the scripture says we are the body of Christ. The strongest muscle in our bodies, it is, uh, I, I read two different things. One is the jaw the jaw muscle, and the other, uh, another place I read said the tongue. Now, both of those are used to eat and help swallow and all of those things. We do a lot of that at our house anyway, maybe not so much at your house. We enjoy eating, and uh, so it's just uh, kind of a fun part, and uh, there's another part to the body here I wanted to, to mention, and that is that the, uh, the, uh, the blood circulates 12,000 miles each day. 12, that's like traveling to Africa and back every day, your blood. No wonder you feel tired some days. <laughs> huh? The blood. This is who we are. This is what we're described, we're compared to. The body of Christ is the metaphor. Just one of the things in Scripture that we're referred to as. And uh, when we are called the body of Christ, we are that miracle. We are a miracle. We sit here this morning and we are a miracle. We represent, there are seven octillion atoms in your body. What's an octillion? Seven octillion means a seven with 27 zeros behind it. That's how many atoms are in your body. And they all work together. And the muscles all work, and the blood all, and, and, we, and we hardly think about it. And that is what we are called on to be. As a church, we just flow together, we work together, we are this thing, this amazing miracle uh, called the body of Christ. And when we function as we ought, there is no limit to what we can do. We are literally with Christ as the head and with everybody stepping into their role and doing their part, we are in a sense unstoppable in a spiritual realm. We can do anything God would give us to do, we can accomplish. And so it's pretty exciting. You see, you, as we look at scripture in Matthew chapter 16, we read this, I will build my church. You talk about being unstoppable. I will build my church 
and the gates of hell will not prevail. God is going to build his church in Chisholm on the Iron Range in Minnesota. And as we just respond to the, in obedience, we hear him and we do what we as members are called. And I'm not talking about just a member that writes their name on a piece of paper. That's important, that has a, a role. But as we fulfill our, our role as members of the body, great and incredible things take place in the spiritual realm. Exciting to see what God can do. Nothing is out of the realm of possibility. Nothing can touch the individual, the family, the community, the state, like the church. There is no organization with greater power and ability than the church when Christ is the head. Incredible things. And the reason being this, we deal with the eternal. It's not just the physical realm that the church ministers in, but we minister in the eternal realm. And so I want to look with you at scripture and another passage in Romans chapter 12. We read this exciting passage and we're going to pull a couple things out of this scripture this morning. And uh, if we were here for like the next five weeks and I could be a part of the series, then we would preach the whole text. But I get to cherry pick because I'm just here for one day. So I'm going to pick two or three things out of this verse, and there's so many things, and you might find yourself and see yourself as having one of the gifts we don't talk about today, but let's talk about a few of them anyway, and uh, just get started. Romans chapter 12 says this to us, for just as each of us has one body with many members, that's each of us, we're living in a body. The scripture says these members do not all have the same function, our hand is different than our foot, so in Christ. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs all to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Oh, there's so many things in this passage we could talk about. I want to touch on just a few of them if we could. First, I want to dive into is unity. Unity. The body. When the body is healthy, when a body is functioning the way it's supposed to, there's unity. You know that in most cases, when we want to look one direction, both eyes go there. It's not, you know, have you ever tried as a kid to make your eyes go cross-eyed? It's hard. When you're healthy, when your eyes are healthy, unless you have a disease of some sort, your eyes do what you, you, your brain tells it to do. They go this, and otherwise you're, you're, you have this, you're cross-eyed. Uh, when you want to take a step, you don't have to think, okay, okay, 200 muscles, get in line, here we go, I'm gonna take a step, 200 muscles, go, 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 no, it just happens. They all work together, the, in unity, they all flow together. And this is what, if, if it doesn't, if that's not happening in your body, then there's a disease, maybe it's MS, maybe it's muscular dystrophy, cystic fibroid, there's something. And what has to happen if there's not health, then we have to 
bring things on like crutches and wheelchairs so that you can move. But a healthy body, the church, we're the body of Christ. We can move because there's health and we're all flowing in unity. And when we all walk together in one spirit, incredible things, unstoppable things can happen in ministering to a community and caring about people and reaching to the ends of the earth. Incredible things can happen as we walk together in unity and agreement. Psalm 133, verse 1, says how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. There God commands his blessing. Most people prefer God's blessing to strife. Most people do, not all. But when we walk together in, in unity, this passage goes on and it describes Aaron, the priest. And it says he's anointed and oil is poured upon his head. And it rolls down his face and his beard and the, 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 the robe of his, or the collar of his garments. And it ends with those words, God commands his blessing. When we walk in unity, when we walk together in one spirit, in one heart, one mind, God commands his blessing. That is an incredible place to live and to be. The culture we live in today does not value unity. In fact, it fights unity in so many different ways, ethnically, we're politically, financially, in all these different ways we get pulled into to a non-unified place. The church brings unity. The Lord wants us to walk in that. So exciting. God responds to unity and he commands his blessing. There's a, there's a passage in the Old Testament that's kind of neat that uh, is just uh, talking about people that are not even of the church. And uh, it's found in Genesis here. We'll put it up on the screen. And what has happened is the people of the world have made a, uh, they had a desire to build a, a tower to the heavens. And uh, some of you are familiar with the passage. There is, they're not a godly people at this point. They just made this decision to work together. And they, they say, we're going to build a tower to the heavens unto the God. And uh, it's interesting that God doesn't scoff at them. God doesn't say, oh, silly people. How could you think such a stupid thing? Uh, but what does God say? He says, speaking of just the people of the world, as they were coming together in, in unity, if as one people they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Nothing is impossible for those who walk in unity. Pretty exciting thought. And so much so that God the next day, they woke up, and you remember the story, some of you, they all were speaking a different language. God said, no, there's real power in unity. And they were not even a, in a unified godly course. They were just trying to accomplish something. And God split their languages. And uh, they had to go all different directions. Incredible the power of unity. And what God can do uh, using it through his church as we walk in unity. I remember gathering together with our leadership team of uh, executive leadership team of youth pastors. And we had, we had centered around one thought, and that was the discipling of students for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We were just dreaming about how could we do that? What are some ways we could see students disciple for the Great Commission? 
we decided for our youth convention one year, Pastor Mike, we're just going to have a missions convention. Mm -hmm. And we started dreaming about, well, what would a missions convention look like on a state level for students if, what, if, if there were no limits? What would we go after? And we began to come up with some names and some things we'd do. One of the things was a particular name. His name was Dick Brogdon. And another thing was, uh, I, I'll refer to in a moment, as a Eurasia experience. Dick Brogdon leads a ministry called Live Dead in Cairo, Egypt. And they are planting churches. Groups of 10 missionaries are being sent out to 33 gateway cities. And as we talked about that, I've got to tell you that my response was not faith-filled. The guys said, we can do this. Well, why don't we have Dick Brogdon come? And I said, gosh, you don't realize how busy this guy is. He's in Cairo today, and he's, he's raising up these 33 teams. And finally, one of them just said, well, can we ask? Can we ask? I said, well, sure. I'll send him an email. And there was unity in the sense that we knew where we were going. God had given us a mission, and we were striving to see that mission fulfilled together as a body. I wrote Dick Brogdon an email, and I'll, ne I'll never forget the first few words in his response. He says, Mark, funny thing. I just happened to be in Minnesota that Saturday and Sunday from Cairo, Egypt. Just happened to be at one of our churches on a, when we needed him on a Thursday, Friday. He was going to be there on Saturday, Sunday. You see, when we begin to walk in unity, God commands his blessing. And he begins to do what we can't do. And when you come together as a healthy church, and you walk in unity, and you have a, God's giving you great young pastors, and Pastor Mike and Pastor Lord, and you walk together in unity, there are no limits. It is just that God's church is unstoppable. What can happen is pretty amazing. And this is just, just one of the areas of church health that we see as we look at unity. There's a whole, that whole passage in Romans 12 is filled with many more, but I'm gonna take time, I'm gonna pull one or two more from that if we can. Another one is found in verse eight, and it's generosity. Now there's a whole lot of other things in between there, but it's said in verse eight in that passage of Romans 12, it said, if your gift is giving, then give generously. Oh, man, we had an opportunity to give this morning. I hope you gave generously. And as a church going forward, you will have an opportunity. There will be so many things that you begin to rally around. And you're going to have the opportunity to give generously. And God says, the sign, one of the signs of a healthy body, the body of Christ, is generosity. Pretty interesting to see. What can happen when we begin to live generously? Mark chapter 10 and verse 8, you see another verse that is listed on this screen. It just says, you've been treated generously, so live generously. Another, pass, another uh, translation says, freely you've received, freely give. Live generously is what God's word tells us to do sign of a healthy church. You know what? There's Minnesota's a healthy place. We're just celebrating what's happened up in International Falls. You know that International Falls that we do not have a list of 10 pastors wanting to go there. 
we just had an opening there not too long ago. And some people believe that it actually is the icebox of the nation, you know? They, 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 and, uh, so they, they don't line up to go there. And Pastor St. John was still with us at this time in the office. And as we were beginning to attempt to fill the uh, pastorate in International Falls. And when we got a, uh, uh, an email from a, a Minnesota pastor who said he'd be willing to go there, it was like a hallelujah time. It was like, yes, that's awesome. And uh, the church there didn't have a lot of resources, ability to be able to give. And what we did, Pastor St. John just began to call churches pastors, rural churches, and say, would you be willing to help support this new pastor going into church camp fully funded. We want him to be able to be able to go full time in the ministry here. He began to call churches and pastors. He called 10 and 20, 30, 40. He called 57. Do you think any of them said yes? 57 said yes. 57 said yes. Generosity. It's an incredible thing when it begins to, to well up in the body. It's a sign of health. It's, it's just a, a, something to be celebrated. It's a gift of God. You know, it wasn't too many years ago, and uh, as, as we were praying, God spoke to our heart about, he, he just put a thought in my mind. I was working with student ministries at the time, and the thought was this. Someday a group of students are going to give a million dollars to speed the light. That was a crazy thought. It wasn't a thought that I was having on my own. And as I'm praying, I'm thinking, where did that come from? And I just recognized God dropping just a thought into my heart. And as I processed that in prayer, there were three questions that just came to mind. Ask God, why not Minnesota? Why not us? Why not now? And, uh, John Sundquist was, I don't know if you were at that dream session when we gathered, I think you were. And as we presented to youth pastors and leaders from across the state, just the impossibility, but yet when God's in it and there's generosity, and there were youth pastors and students from your church and from churches across the state that just embraced that vision and we recognized this was a vision from God. It was something that was going to facilitate the the uh, ends of the earth, people hearing about Jesus Christ that had never heard. And pretty soon, there was just faith that began to well up across the state. And we went from 500 to 600,000, 600, and then in 2014, we hit 900,000. And we were sure God had used up all of his miracles, but he hadn't. And students and leaders in 2015 gave a million, in 2016, they gave 1.1. It's hard to even imagine those kind of numbers, but it happens one student, one member of the body at a time. And I want to quickly just show you one a video. It's a couple of years old now, but it's from a student from this part of the state. And so I wanted to show it this morning and just let you see your students were a part of this and are an ongoing part of missions and speed the light. But here's a little girl from Floodwood. She lives in the suburbs of Floodwood. Now, Floodwood, Floodwood's 400, so she lives in the woods. And uh, you can guess maybe what some of her interests are. If you can't guess, watch this and you'll get a feel. My heart just went crazy and I tried not to fall out of my 
getting a number when I think about Speed the Light, my goal, and just other things I was praying about, and I kept getting the number 734. And I began to raise money. Um, I hauled wood for my grandparents, and I did chores for my mom and dad. It got towards the end. It was near the date where we were supposed to turn in the money, and I, um, I needed exactly $230 my goal. And my dad had made a deal with me that he would pay me a dollar per pound of deer that I killed. So, um, and I hunted in Ontario at our cabin for over three weeks. I was there. I prayed and prayed and prayed while I was sitting on the stand. And um, finally, I saw this huge monster buck coming through the woods. I could spend the whole morning just telling you stories of students, generosity, and, and that's just because that's been my world. There's generosity in parents and churches and grandparents and, and all generations all across this state. The church goes beyond Minnesota, around the world. There's It's just a part of the sign of health. Unity, generosity, it's just who we are. And it flows out of us naturally when we walk and we function as God has intended us to. Pretty exciting to see what God can do. We've got to wrap up. There's cake waiting. <laughs> yes. I see the clock. But I'm going to pull one more little piece out of that scripture from Romans 12. And there's a, like I said, we could go a series of a month on just this, all the different gifts, if your your gift is in leadership, that lead, you know, all the different things. Find your gift. Find you, it's in you. Just find it. Here's another one that's mentioned. Mercy. If your gift is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do it cheerfully. We don't have to look very hard in the day that we live to find brokenness, do we? Our brother this morning grieving the loss of his wife and all through the world, all through our city. I walked around your lake yesterday and my heart just went out to some of those I saw and, and just knowing they're waiting. They're waiting for Jesus. They need Jesus. Mercy. 
extend mercy. I was at Caribou, and uh, not too long ago, it was around Father's Day. And uh, Caribou is a coffee house, for those of you that don't know. And they have a chalkboard. They write things on the chalkboard, and then they want their customers to respond. Being it was around Father's Day, there was a little question on there that says, what do you like most about your fathers? And there was all kinds of fun things about hunting and eating together and fishing together and all the different things that you would expect. And, and then I got to one that said, my father abandoned me, but I still love fathers. And it just caught me a moment. I had to turn away. Just had to wipe my eyes. I was a little embarrassed, crying and caribou. This is the world we live in. Brokenness. It's not uncommon. We don't have to look far for it. And when the church lives and functions the way God has created us to, we're going to change Chisholm. We're going to change our city. Good things began to come out of the body of Christ. We're unstoppable when Christ is the head and we allow him to, to function through us and we do his will. Amazing things take place. I was on a walk not too long ago with my wife and uh, we will walk tonight. We just like to walk. And uh, we walk two, three miles a night. And uh, When I was younger, that had no appeal to me. I wanted to play tennis or something, but I've gotten older. I enjoy the walk and the talk. And uh, we were walking this one night, usually it's earlier in the day, but it was 11 at night. And we're walking by this park that's close to our house. And uh, I hear these, this little voice cry out from across the street, help me, help me. And that kind of gets your attention at 11 at night, you know? Hair on the back of your neck kind of stands up a little bit, and it's like, okay, are we being pranked, or is something going on here? And then I, we look over there, we, we see a flashlight, we see one person, and then we see another person kind of running ahead of us. They're going to cross the street ahead of us, and we're going to come to them. And, and uh, so we just we just kind of watch, and the person walks this, crosses the street, and they're sitting there, and we walk toward them, and when we get close to her, I said, are you okay? Do you need help? And uh, she was actually across the street, sitting on the curb across the street from our, where we walked. And she got up and just began to weep, ran toward us, buried her head in my wife's shoulder. She was a little bloody, had a swollen lip, swollen throat. And uh, she just began to describe what had happened. We called the police immediately. And uh, I said to her, Jaden, can we call your parents? She said, I don't have parents. I live, I live with my mom, but she wouldn't care. She wouldn't care. Jaden had just come out of treatment and made some bad decisions, and the police came, and they called us later that night and, and said she was put into to detox. And This is the world that we live in. Lakeville doesn't advertise that it's a broken family community, that there's a lot of abuse issues. They don't have to. It's there. It's in our world. And uh, mercy from the church as we began 
Barb became her mom for those few moments as we were able to minister for just that bit of time we had until the police came and they kind of shoved us away. We were able to be the church, what God has intended us to be. Incredible what can happen when uh, we begin to be led by the Spirit and we are anointed to bind up the brokenhearted when we proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the prisoners, mercy, mercy flows through his church. I want to close with one story. And it's a story of, uh, was told to me by Jen Dolliger. And you'll see her picture in just a few moments. Jen is a missionary's wife to Costa Rica. And uh, it's a story of Jen's family. Jen lived in Detroit Lakes. And uh, we'll, we'll hold off on the picture for just a moment. Uh, she was the oldest of five sisters, five girls. And uh, the story is really about Jen's younger sister, youngest sister, Tammy. Tammy, I knew, but I never knew the back story. Tammy, I, I knew probably 20 years ago. And she was, I would say, 16, 17 at that time. Tammy was a godly young lady in Detroit Lakes, just loved the Lord, and God had gotten a hold of her heart in this area of missions, and uh, she had actually made a commitment that she was a, a server, a waitress at Perkins in Detroit Lakes, and she had made this commitment that I'm going to give every other paycheck to missions to speed the light. Uh, that's a pretty significant thing for an entire year. And I can remember laughing with, and Tammy laughing and saying, you know, Mark, it seems like the biggest check is always the one that I'm giving away, too. <laughs> she had learned to tithe. She had learned to, to be uh, merciful, generous, and mercy just flowed out of her. Generosity. And, uh, but the mercy part of this story is what I want to key in on here. That's how I knew Tammy. Just a godly young lady, loved the Lord generous, serving God with all of her heart. She was Jenna, Jen's younger sister, youngest sister. Well, um, when Tammy was born, her natural father, and we'll put that on the screen now, was a 70-year-old World War II vet. He had had an affair. This wasn't Jen's dad. This was, she was just a girl in the city living in Detroit Lakes. 70 year old World War II vet has an affair, has a child, the woman leaves like that, and he's left with a girl, a little baby girl to raise. And he did his best. He ran a bait shop. This is the backstory of this godly 16, 17 year old girl that I knew and adored. She's raised in a, in, a, in a bait shop and it wasn't uncommon to see her swimming in the tank with the minnows as a little girl. That's how she was raised. That, that was just her life. And, and she, she'd walk through town with her 75-year-old dad. Everybody thought was her grandpa unless they knew her. Holding hand and it's gray hair and he's raising her, doing the best he could. Jen's mom asked Vern, the dad, could I take your daughter to church with me? Could I just take her to church? And he said, well, sure, we can do that. You can take her out. 
Sunday to church. And so they began to take Tammy to church. Little five-year-old Tammy began to go. And uh, one day they said to Vern, Vern, would you like to come? You want to come to church? And she's in a program, and, and uh, you can see see your little daughter Tammy. And she's gonna she's got a little part. It'll be. Uh, he said, Yeah, I'd, I'd love to come see my girl. And he came, and and first Sunday there, he received Christ as a savior. In the place he sat from that point forward was right there, Detroit Lakes front row. And when it was worship time. Vern had his hands up in the air. He was worshiping God, praising God, along with this little Tammy. Tammy began to, on Sundays, she would go over to, to Jen's house. Jen's mom would say, well, can I just, can she just come over to our house for a bit? And when she would come, well, then she would bathe her and wash her hair and curl her hair. Dad didn't know that much about that. And uh, just clean her up. And she'd read her Bible stories. She'd have sleepovers there for it. began to be every weekend. It was just a part of their life. As time went by, Vern was 84. He had a stroke. Before he died, he said, would you be her caretaker? Would you take care of Tammy? And uh, of course, her mom said yes. Well, her mom was much more than a caretaker. She became her mom. And uh, Jen Dolliger became her older sister. There was a, a point in this process where Tammy, on the bottom left, she was much younger then, but she was in Jen's wedding. And she wasn't, her dad was still alive then. And uh, she was identified as friend of the bride. And Tammy came to her, her uh, older sister, she thought, and she said, I'm not friend of the bride, I'm sister of the bride. And she crossed it out. That was before she'd been adopted. Well, this is what happened. Little Tammy that I knew as a godly young woman, there was a backstory of mercy being extended to a little girl and a dad who needed Jesus. They all found their way spiritually Pretty exciting to see what can happen. And um, there's one more picture here of Tammy. The years have gone by. Now she's a nurse. She's a mom. She's a wife. She loves the Lord with all of her heart. She's serving God and raising her kids. God intends his church to be unstoppable. Mercy, generosity, unity, just some of the gifts that he's given to you and I. We're members. We're, we're one of those seven octillion atoms. Maybe you're a little finger. Maybe you're a muscle. No, maybe you're in the tongue. Maybe you like to talk. Great. Be a teacher. Use that gift for the Lord. God wants to use all of the gifts. We're part of the body of Christ. Each of us are members. It's time for each of us to step up. Let's pray. You know, when your heads are bowed for just a moment,
I want to take a moment because there could be some here this morning who would just say, you know, I'm not so sure I'm a part of that body. I, I have never been born into the family of God. I, I've never received Christ. I, I've never received his forgiveness. I've never asked his forgiveness. And uh, you may be here this morning, and, and we don't want to just talk about the body of Christ, what an amazing thing the church is. But we want to give an opportunity, if that would be you here this morning, and you just say, I need Jesus. I want to be part of the family of God, the body of Christ, the church. That's what I want. And if that's something you haven't done before, take just a moment. My heads are bowed. And if you want to just raise a hand, I'd love to pray with you before we leave here today. Just lift a hand quickly. We'll recognize that and pray together. For the rest of this year, one other question when your hands are bowed. And that is this. Whatever your gifts, whatever your gifts, are you willing to serve? As a member of the body, are you, you have received Christ into your life. The body's not going to function properly until you function properly, until you step into your role, whatever it is. There's so many different areas of gifting, but we need you. And if that would be you this morning, you just say, you know what, I'm ready. And uh, we're not going to, we're not going to point you out, but I want just as a, as a, uh, response to the Lord from a physical response this morning. If you just lift a hand and say, you know what? I'm willing to serve in the body of Christ and whatever God would ask me to do. I'm willing to begin my journey in service. If that's you this morning, would you just lift a hand real quick as well? Fantastic. Awesome. 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 So many of you already in ministry and others of you just you're willing to go wherever God takes you, whatever God asks of you. Can we just pray together? Father, this morning, we're so thankful that we are part of your body, the body of Christ. You have given your son. Your son has given his life that he could bring us into the family of God. We're just so thankful today that we are your church. We are your body. We are the assembly of the faithful. Lord, we're just so thankful for your work in our lives and I pray your blessing upon this church. I thank you for the great days of the past and I thank you Father for the incredible days ahead. Your church is unstoppable and I pray that your vision would just flow mightily through Pastor Micah, Pastor Laura, even as they began to unveil some of those things in the next four weeks. Lord God, there would be such unity that would just line up behind those areas of vision. Lord, your blessing would rest here. Lord, you would command your blessing upon Chisholm, Assembly of God. Thank you, Lord, for unity. Thank you, Lord, for generosity. Thank you for mercy that will flow out of this body and all of the other gifts that will flow. Lord, you've seen our hearts. You've seen our hands this morning. God, we just desire to be used in whatever way you would call us to step into. So, God, thank you for your presence here with us today. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for the leadership that is here today. 
Now we pray your blessing on them as we move to install them this morning as new pastors in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.